Hello, everybody, and welcome to Athletic Definition. My name is Coach Ray Z. Today, my guest is Sean Vermontes. Welcome to Fireside. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, Ray. Thanks for having me on. Uh, no problem. So me and Sean, uh, we, we've known each other for quite some time. and uh, uh, But regardless, I always like to start off from the beginning, but I'll, I'll let you know a little bit of what he's done as a teaser, basically. Uh, you just came off completing your 20th consecutive uh, Los Angeles Marathon, which yes, is uh, very impressive. And I know you've uh, completed an Ironman, probably a few of them. Have you done more than one? Uh, you know what? Yes, the, the Ironman races, I've participated in a few, uh, one being a half and one being a full, and, and several triathlons from sprint distances to Olympic. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been a great journey. Okay, <clears throat> cool. So um, I always like to get started from the very beginning. Uh, when you were a kid, uh, were you very active? Did you play sports or was that even like a big thing in your family? You know, it always has been. And thanks for asking that question. It's been great. You know, it's uh, my father's been a big advocate of sports, you know, baseball being his number one, uh, number one sport and uh, always being a huge Dodger fan over the years because of my dad and watching USC football and just sports in general has always been something that, you know, him and I connected on and just grew a passion for it from my from my dad. And then uh, growing up, it will, like, did you like to play sports or were you just more watching it? You know what? I, I love watching it, but I loved even more playing it. You know, it kind of started when we were young. We, had, we lived in a little cul-de-sac in Azusa, and uh, we used to play, you know, football. We used to put the bases outside and, and play with all the local neighbors and baseball and football and have, like, our little lions drawn on the street with chalk and where the touchdown was at. So, yeah, always played, and from that point on, you know, in, even in, in middle school, playing you know some flag football, and uh, afterwards, even participating in some baseball. But you know, the hockey bug actually bit bit California, and, and roller hockey was huge. And I I played from my sophomore year all the way to in adult playing roller hockey in the circuit for many 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 years, and grew a love for playing hockey as well. Oh wow! I didn't even know that. Um, not too much hockey wings around where we grew up. Yeah, I also grew up in Azusa. Blade. Yeah, rollerblade versus ice, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I, you know, I remember, uh, so we all grew up in Azusa. A few of the yep. people I'm going to talk about, uh, people yeah. are like, what's Azusa? It's a small city, <laughs> San Gabriel Valley, not in, in China. California. <laughs> uh, and uh, Tony Robbins is from Azusa. So that's probably someone you've, you've heard about. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, I was at one of uh, Steven's party who I ha I hope to have him on in the future. He's also an Iron Man. Um, yeah. And you guys were uh, like talking about running LA Marathon. You and I can't remember who else. And I don't, at the time from what I learned is you guys didn't know how to train or anything, but uh, no, you guys no. were like the first people that I, that I heard, oh, they're actually going to participate and, and do it, you know? Yeah, we were green, green behind the ears, man. I gotta tell you, it was uh, a little weightlifting involved. You know, we were weightlifting, and uh, Steve and I would go to the gym, and there was a free gym uh, out in out in Citrus College. It was a circuit training gym, and you know, him and I would participate in that, and you know, we we're just bulking up. You know, it was really nothing more than trying to get a little bit of mass and bench press, and and Steve one day turned to me and he's like, you know what, we should run the LA Marathon. My brother-in-law 
ran it and did like an eight hour and 30 minute run, but he finished. He's like, I think we can do better than that. So it was kind of motivation there and trying to lean out some of that mass. We're like, hey, let's do it. So we started to run at the local high school. We went to Gladstone High School and we started running there. And I think the most miles we actually did was probably maybe eight miles at the most before we took on the marathon. So it was kind of, it was kind of funny, you know, we, we actually wore slip on track shoes. Uh, Nike had one before the Vibrams were made and we made the biggest mistake at least then. And lo and behold, the Vibrams became a, the whole uh, running barefoot mentality became the whole fad. And I told Steve, we missed an opportunity there. Uh, but yeah, we were totally unprepared uh, green behind the ears, but the mentality was, you know what, we could probably lean out a little bit. And so that's kind of how it all began, you know, Steve and I just saying, let's do it. And kudos to him for saying, let's just try it out. And we both put the effort forward and did it. Okay. That's interesting. So it was, it was him who planted the idea that that's very interesting. I'm, yeah, it was, it, was, it was Steve. Yeah, Steve. Steve was the one. He is the guy that said, "Let's let's get it going, man." And uh, and he used his brother-in-law as kind of a push to say, "If he did it, come on, we can do it." And so we said, "Heck yeah, let's go for it." And and I'm sure you've learned how to train properly from now to completing 20 consecutive Los Angeles marathons. So how was the first one with not no proper training and just kind of running, running it basically? Yeah. You know, it was exciting. At the same time, it was difficult, you know, as you would know, Ray, from your experience. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, getting into it, being with Steve, as you know him personally, he's kind of like always always a positive soul, you know, never never a negative day. You know, we all have him, but it's always smiling type of guy, so that helped out. And I was kind of the same way, so getting into it, we just said, you know what, push through it. Don't know when the wall's going to hit, but when the wall hit, man, it bit. <laughs> I was like, I think it hit a little early for us, at least. It was like mile 15. We started to be like, wow, you know, training for eight miles wasn't the best bet. Definitely tough, but, you know, we we end up coming across the finish line. It wasn't, it wasn't about time so much. It was about finishing and enjoying the energy from the crowd and everything was, you know, all new to us. So it was so awesome. But coming in at five hours and 22 minutes, we were like, Hey, that was that was pretty good. We smashed your your brother in law's eight thirty, so we were we were happy to do that, you know. And the marathon, we just bit the bit the marathon after that. The bug bit us. So, how soon after that did you sign up for another marathon? Because I know after I did my first one, I was like, "That's it, I'm one and done." I, I was hurting. I didn't even want to do another one. It, it took me a little while to turn my my ways. Yeah, you know it it. It was funny for me personally, Ray, it, it was, I hate to say love at first sight, but after that, I registered right away uh, for the next one. Uh, because even prior to that, you know, I think it was, uh, the next one was Long Beach right after that. And then we transitioned over to the, you know, the next LA Marathon. Because 2002 is uh, when it started. And then 2003, Three was the next one. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I registered right away. I think it was Steve and he, I don't want to quote him on this, but I think he was more hesitant to like, let's go again. It was painful. Uh, but yeah, I think he did it right after that too. And he laid off a while after that because of some life stuff that came up, but overall, yeah, the marathon bug bit me. And like I said, 20 consecutive since then never stopped. And, and, um, so besides, uh, LA 20 consecutive you've done Long Beach how many uh, marathons do you have total you know total it's it's I think it's last check on Athlinks I I try to push all those over to Athlinks I think it's like 
47 or 48, right around there. There's wow. uh, Yeah, I've, I've ran outside of the state pretty often. I've done San Antonio a few times. Uh, I've also participated in many the rock and roll series where, you know, going to Arizona, running those marath- marathons several times. Also, it's part of the Ironman course that I did in Arizona Ironman. So, yeah, you know, very fortunate and, and, and blessed by the company. My company has taken a, um, you know, uh, a part in that sponsorship of me. I was very fortunate that the owners uh, liked what I was doing. And my owner, Mike, actually, at 63 years old, decided, you know what? I want to lose some pounds. Can you help train me? So I helped actually train him. And he started to participate in uh, race walking and also with marathons at 62. And even to this day, at 83 years old, he's still doing 5Ks and 10Ks. And he's an inspiration. But I did create an animal there. So very, very fortunate. My my boss during those years would travel around uh, the different states and I would run marathons. He, he would do a half. I would do a full. So, yeah, very fortunate. My goal is to get beyond 50, even do maybe 100 before I go, you know. <laughs> Well, wow! You have a uh, quite a few marathons more than more than I thought. I thought you were maybe like in the twenty something, but that that's very yeah. impressive. Uh, and yeah. then, how did a uh, marathoning transition over to the Ironman? Like, how how many years after did you start doing Ironman? You know, Ironman was two thousand eight, but triathlons prior to that were local in Benelli Park in San Dimas. So I would do several sprint distances, Olympic distances. So a lot of those higher, you know, higher lactate threshold type of races where you're just pushing the envelope. And uh, that kind of geared me up to getting towards the Ironman level. But again, kudos to Steve. Uh, we're running and he says, why don't you buy a bike? And I'm like, nah, I don't want to buy it. I don't want to be a cyclist. You know, I, I kind of like to keep a little bit of muscle mass. I didn't want to be like, like, a, like a Lance Armstrong where it's just all lower leg mass and then super skinny on top. And I'm like, you know. And then, so kind of just didn't even really take that into consideration. And Steve came back to me like about two months later. He's like, dude, you should buy a triathlon bike. That way you can still run and you could swim. So swimming wasn't my cup of tea. I would never consider myself a swimmer. Uh, even though I knew how to swim, I was like, nah, it's just a little bit too much to do an Ironman. It's 2.4 miles of swimming. And so lo and behold, I linked up with a local shop that's no longer here in Laverne. It was called Foothill Cyclery. Uh, Steve had a good friend there, Ron, and uh, next thing you know, I got hooked up with the bike and started training with those guys in Laverne, and we'd ride all over by Benelli Park and got involved in that. And then from from that, uh, over the years, it, it picked up, and then I finally committed to signing up for an Ironman and uh, did the first one. It was 2008, the Arizona Ironman, a year after the inaugural event on 07, which was considered uh, one of the harder ones because I was actually in – in the month of April, which was Kona, and they called it Kona-like conditions, way too hot and windy, so they moved it to November. So, yeah, I have, I still have all my uh, pride in that, and I love it, love it today. Don't do it as much anymore, but still love, still love the aspect of triathlon. And uh, I know it's because you're a family man, married now, uh, have kids, and yes, and twins, I believe. Yes, uh, two twin daughters, uh, almost three and a half years old. Keep me; they keep the marathon legs turning. Tell you that much. Yeah, I was going to say, like now, like as you prepare for this marathon and having twins, how, how is that different from when you were just kind of more free to do about what you needed to do? You know, it's a great question because it takes a lot of commitment, as you know. Uh, these races don't come with its challenges, 
And having a very supportive wife and family is amazing. My my mom and dad to this day, matter of fact, still drive me to Dodger Stadium. They drove me this last marathon to the start line. And uh, usually would commit to going there at the end because of COVID and their little health ailments being older. Uh, they didn't go to the, the finish line this year. They're going to commit to going next year. Uh, but yeah, that family effort is huge. And my wife, you know, being very supportive. I've been married to her for six years, but with her together for 15. And, you know, any event, she's never hesitated to say, you know what, go ahead and do it. Uh, and, you know, knowing that every March coming up, she would always be very, the attitude and the mentality and the support. And having the girls, there was always that question of, Mark, how's it going to be different, you know? And I always get razzed at work from the guys that had kids, gained 50 pounds. Oh, man, just wait after you have, you're going to have two kids. Oh, my God, you're never going to do running again. And that was a challenge, you know. I've heard Shaquille O'Neal say it and many others that have inspired me in business. You know what? Don't make that as an excuse, you know. You're, you're your own CEO. You're your own person to push to that finish line. Don't let anybody bring you down and say, you can't do it. When someone told that person no, those are the, those are the people we know today, the Shark Tank, Shark Tank type of mentality people that make the extra money that get to the finish line. So when they said that, it inspired me. And to this day, I see them at the finish line every year. Matter of fact, I'm all 18 this year. They were there smiling, ran up to dad, took some pictures. And, uh, Matter of fact, the last two marathons prior, I pushed them in their stroller the last mile uh, because you can't go to the finish line because of the bombing that happened in Boston. Uh, those regulations have changed. But yeah, that, that's that been actually inspiring even more so to continue it. And for all the naysayers to kind of just push it in their face at work, like, hey, I still get the medals, man. <laughs> What's your excuse? <clears throat> Well, I, re I remember back in the day, you tell me, I, I want to hit 20, 20 consecutive LA marathons. And, and now, you know, you've accomplished that goal. So that, that and I think you answered it, but you do want to continue. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know what? I have this hat on LA Loyal and uh, hey, they give the hats out when you're a consistent, uh, you know, they have different tiers now. It's like five, 10 and 15. And I got my, my medal a few years back when they first announced the LA Loyal program. And, you know, I told my wife about mile 18, uh, sorry, mile 18, <laughs> uh, year 18 in a row. I said, you know what, maybe at 20, I'll just kind of like, I won't be so critical of having to run the next one. But now that I've accomplished the 20th, it's like, why not do 30? You know, <laughs> and, you know, why not make consecutive? And I was very fortunate to know one of the legacy runners personally that's done every LA marathon since 84. Since 84. And, uh, and since 84 and his name was Rich Ringwald and he stopped running them. He's a Vietnam vet, you know, happy veterans day to him from yesterday and talking to him a few times, he had to stop eventually because his wife had some health ailments. That's true love. He put his wife ahead of the marathon, which is important family first. I get that. But, uh, you know, knowing him as a legacy runner and just kind of hearing those stories and seeing all those guys that you see that say legacy gym or, you know, you've seen that in the course and I just can't stop, but like yell at them and say, come on, man, good job. 36 in a row. And then that just inspires me to keep moving forward to the next one. God willing, 21, 22, if I can keep doing it, I'll just keep doing it until I actually ask to have an event where I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I, I, I always cheer for the, the legacies. Good job, legacy Rick or whoever. And I, I clap for them and, I've seen some of their stories and 
I mean, you know, I've done it 15 years in a row. You've done it 20 and those guys 36. And along the way, they did a story on them. They're talking about people die, people get married, people yeah. are born. One of them, had, I think, has uh, HIV and is still running it. So it's like it takes a lot to keep that streak going. So even just to do it once, but then to keep going and doing it and doing it, it's a lot of sacrifice because you, you mentioned you have to have a good family support system that is like, especially once you're married and all that. Yeah. yeah you're married and kids and there's take those responsibilities and uh, you know, you, you got to have that spouse that's supportive and you know, it works both ways, but at the same time, it's uh it's, it's not like you and I started out saying, Oh, I'm going to run a marathon. I can't wait to do 15 in a row. Right. Or 20 in a row. It, it was just a, it was a unforeseen territory and, and having that um, experience after one or two or three, it just became like my baby. You know, it was like, that's my, that's, that's something very important to me. And I think when you express that to whoever you're with, whether it's your wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, it's important for that, that individual to know that. And I think, that's that's true love, right? Beyond the bells and whistles of wedding rings and all that, true love is the small things. And knowing that my wife supports me in that is amazing. And if I can push that back into my daughters, whether they run or not, I want them to see that dad has done something and stay consistent with it. Whether it's running, music, art, whatever it is, just just be consistent. You know, go out there and do it, and get your foot on the start line. And if you set yourself out to do it, go out there and do it, and get to the finish line. And I've talked to many runners that DNF'd, and as you know, that's did not finish, whether it was an Ironman or whether it was in the marathon. And I said, look, just because you had a DNF, you you put your foot in front of that finish line when most people were in bed, you you set out to do a goal, and you're going to get back up and you're going to do it next year. So, you know, kudos to all those that start out and do it. Whether you do 20, 15 like yourself, it's important that you set, set, a, set a goal out to do something. And uh, out of the 20 marathons that you've done in L.A. so far, uh, like what's your best highlight or highlights or any special memories out of the 20 that really stand yeah, out to you? There's a lot of them, but uh, today we're down to maybe five. I would say, um, you know, just seeing my kids at the finish line for the first time, being a, being a parent that had kids later in his life. Uh, I was tearing up like, you know, about mile 18, 19, just knowing that, I'm going to see them there. I've been, I wanted kids all my life and didn't have them until later. And there they're going to be at a special event that I hold heart, hold, hold huge to my heart. And they're going to be there at the end. How awesome is that? And then there was my wife because I'd already seen my wife at several marathons and that was important. But together, I was like, that was just a lot to take in. So to see them there and uh, do that, that was one that sticks out as the top. Uh, but others that come to mind are, you know, hitting a 319. Uh, didn't qualify for Boston that year because I always consider LA Marathon not being the fastest course. It's definitely challenging. Uh, there's different benefits to that course, but there's a lot of other marathons that are out there that are <laughs> easier to to BQ, you know. And uh, so getting a 319 was was a nice to to set that in my pace. And then I have a buddy that's that that's ran and paced with me a lot, Thomas Zaid and. Uh, you know, participating in those, training together with him and inspiring him in the beginning, knowing what what he's done athletically. Maybe you'll have him on the show one of these days. Uh, trying to. I, I plan to. Yeah, Thomas is another guy besides Steven that we grew yeah. up with, and he's turned out to do a Badwater. So he's yeah, just Badwater, a badass. Ultra, ultra marathon or badass, you know, 
a very inspirational athlete. Very fortunate that him and I have a very similar pace, so we're able to train together, even though he's done a 304 marathon and I've done a 308 uh, to qualify for Boston. Uh, you know, it was it, it's that that camaraderie with the friend running together at that pace um, to qualify. I mean, like 650, 650, 651 each mile and seeing that on your splits to get there and then finally tapering off 710, 710, 710 to hit that pace and to be there with them. That that stands out in the LA Marathon. And then two, my dad's a, a veteran too. And it's so funny that the, the run passes by his old military base there around mile 22 before the switchback uh, the new switchback, at least for this course, you pass by the old reserve base. And I was a kid going there, watching my dad fly out to Korea for his training for reserves. So passing by that building is like, I was there like at seven, eight years old. And then when they switched the course to Santa Monica, you know, 11 years ago, I'm like, dad, I'm running right past the building before we go over the hill. And we were running through there. You remember how I used to go through there first? You used to actually yeah, run yeah. in there and underneath that little thing, but then they switched it the last couple of years. So that was a huge memory. And then number five, I think the, the fifth memory of just all these, you know, 20th consecutive is just the city of L.A., man. Like people dog on our city outside of L.A., Californians and, you know, L.A. mentality, you know, gangster stuff and all this. And, you know, Biggie Smalls was killed there. And, you know, all these memories of just riots and things like that. And when you experience the L.A. Marathon, man, as you have. Even the old school ones, back in 02, 03, 04, you're going through the heart of the OG territory and there's people hanging out like nailators and, and, and oranges and they still do that today, but there was nothing like going through the old school streets of LA and the first courses and just, I wasn't there in the beginning of 84, 85, but seeing that camaraderie with the city for those few hours it is nothing like that, man. It's like people dog on us, but when you see LA in that a aspect, it's a blessing in disguise, man. Yeah, it, it, they make you feel like a professional athlete uh, that day for those those couple hours. The way they come out, cheer for you, show you support. And back in the, I've done a few of those before they changed the routes. And we're, we're talking some of the neighborhoods where at least back in the day, you wouldn't want to go through. Uh, oh. <laughs> now, it's, now it's way different. Now everything's kind of getting more... Uh, gentrified in the in the yeah. in the ghetto areas and anywhere where they they are building the train the subway station to build houses and the area just kind of gets nicer which is all the areas that you didn't want to go to back then yes and i i want to touch on uh the iron man because a marathon is 26.2 miles uh, for those listening that uh never done one before because you always hear the I want to run a 5K marathon with you. I'm like, a 5K is 3.1 miles. So you're, you're short, but I understand what, what you want to do. And uh, a marathon, I'm sorry, an Ironman is, I, I'm not quite sure of the actual swim. How many miles do you swim? A 2.4 mile swim. And then you bike, what, 120 something miles? 112 miles. And then after that, in, in that order, you run a marathon. Uh, yes. The last event is a 26.2. As you know, don't forget the point two, man. <laughs> point two. Uh, and point two is the hardest. Uh, and then, uh, and yes, the 26.2. So a total of 140.6. And you have 12 hours to do that, complete it. Uh, you know, for an Ironman, actually, it's uh, 18 hours uh, total to complete it. Uh, from the last day, I haven't done them in a while, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 18 hours to get 
through all that uh, fun time. And uh, what, like, what did it uh, take for you to finish, or did the training pay off, or was it like at times where you had to gut check yourself, or mentally, uh, like hit the wall when you hit the wall? It's got to be different than marathoning. I've never done an Ironman, so I just imagine uh, the fatigue's got to be really extreme at certain points where you just yeah, it, quit. It, 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 yeah. Go ahead. No, where you just want to quit, basically. I, I'm assuming. Yeah, there's 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 some moments there, like anything, even being new to the marathons. But just one point before I go into that, uh, the uh, comment you made about uh, running with the top athletes, and that's one thing to keep in mind if you ever want to do it for the people listening to this, uh, uh, you know, cast. Uh, I would say you can pay for an event and run with the top athletes, and you can't just pay and play with Kobe, rest in peace. You can't just pay and uh, go out there with your favorite football team. In any any professional sport. You, you just can't do it. You can go watch it, pay a high dollar and go watch it. Uh, but yeah, for the marathon, you could you can toe up with the top athletes, the top Kenyans, uh, American runners in the world and or qualify for some of these bigger events. But uh, that's the blessing that you and I have experienced. We're able to go in there with the best athletes in the world that can run a marathon, Olympic athletes and and run with them right in the same path they're going across you can't do that in nfl field <laughs> unless you're speaking to the field <laughs> you know but no no don't get any ideas for anybody but uh yeah so just a side note on that but yeah the ironman race uh definitely training again doing a lot of 100 mile rides with the guys thomas steve included uh doing those long bike rides putting in the long runs uh la fitness thank you <laughs> just swimming in those pools consistently not doing a little open water here and there, but just just a lot of laps, just consistent laps and go above and beyond. I think it's like 180 laps in the LA Fitness Pool. Um, and uh, that's something that that is uh, it's definitely trying on the body. But uh, yeah, on the course, it was tough. Uh, you know, it, my biggest fear was the swim, right? Going back to what I said earlier, I'm not, I don't have a swimming background and when I got out of the water on that 2.4 mile swim, it felt like it was the easiest thing of the day. You know, it was like the fear set in more and the mindset is so important for any of these events, marathon, 5k, 10k or whatever, Ironman, ultras. Um, it's what happens between these ears. You know, this, this, this mindset is, is huge. And, that's what got me through. I remember coming out of the water and seeing my parents there, always a big support system. And, and my wife was my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, you know, she was there and support and I actually had the owners I was talking about earlier that sponsored me, sponsored me for that event. And I actually had a, the full, uh, a suit lined up with my, with my company's, uh, logos on it. We had it designed and they sponsored me to pay for that total event. And which is huge because Ironmans are not cheap. And, uh, you know, I came out of the water and my dad's like, how are you feeling, man? I'm like, I'm, I feel great. And came out, you know, came out, went to the bike and came to the bike. And, you know, I, I got to tell you that the 100, 112 miles on the bike, there were some moments there where your, your legs are feeling and it. My whole mindset was like, you know what, how the heck am I going to do a 26.2 mile run after all that? Because we do what they call a brick workout. You know, you do those brick workouts, you know, swim and bike or bike and swim. And then, and then you try to do them all three together. I would use the aquatic center in Pasadena that you're familiar with and run around the Rose Bowl. And then I would go for the swim after or vice versa and then lock the bike up and then ride the bike. And 
I mean, you could do as many as those of you want, but when it comes to the live event, how do you feel once you accomplished both of those big events, 2.4 miles, 112, and then put the marathon in? So yeah, about 13 miles in of the marathon, I was feeling very, very winded. Uh, probably a little bit, I would say maybe even faint, feeling like I was going to faint a little bit. And then thank God for the support and, you know, kudos to all those people that come out there for the volunteers and the support. As you know, it's amazing what they do. And uh, we wouldn't get to those events without them. And, uh, you know, we had some cookies <laughs> on uh, there and some Coke. And as much as that's not a no-no in most training sessions during the Ironman event, it uh, makes you feel like a transformer, man. Uh, so that helped out a lot. Has a little bit of soup, a little bit of hot broth. And uh, yeah, I actually linked up with this kid. He was like 20 years old or 19 years old. And him and I just started just pacing together, heard a little bit about his story. He, he heard a little bit about my story. Don't know this kid today, but I got to tell you, um, him and I pushed to the finish line, the last 13 miles all the way to the end. And I stopped there and I, I thanked him and he thanked me. And then of course my family and friends were there at the end and you kind of lose track, but I didn't want to get lost in that moment. I didn't want to lose what we had gained. I told him, Hey, look, man, I'll never forget you, man. And he said the same thing. And to this day, I hope he still says the same thing about me. Uh, little young kid, man, 20. I was like giving him praise for doing that at that age. And uh, it's those stories that you link up with people, as I'm sure you have a lot of those stories too, Ray, is that the neighbor that you would never say hi to or whatever, you you just have this camaraderie and that bond. So yeah, it was tough, but I got to the finish line and considered myself an Ironman and I got my tattoo on my leg to prove. And how long did it take you to complete that? Uh, that was, uh, that one... I would have probably done it in 12, but I heard it was one of the harder Ironmans that year, the inaugural or the second one after the inaugural. Uh, I did it in 13 hours and 30 minutes, uh, which is a very respectable time for that course. Because like I said, at the end, the race director was like, man, these were Kona-like conditions. And for the listeners that don't know, Kona is like the Super Bowl of Ironman in Hawaii. And uh, to have that kind of same kind of comment, windy and hot, I took it. It was, it was funny that about a month later, I was training out in Pasadena up in the uh, trails. And at Pasadena, out in Monrovia in the trails. And my boss and I were training together. And I came across this guy and he saw my hat and it said, Ironman finisher, Arizona 2008. He's like, hey, I did that race. And the really cool thing about it is before I walked away, he stopped me and said, man, you know what? But I didn't finish it. And he looked kind of down on himself. I was like, hey, don't get down, man. You'll be back next year. And he's like, yeah, I kind of DNF at the end. It was just too hot. I'm like, he's like, man, you're lucky you finished. A lot of people DNF that day. They couldn't complete the race. Even some pro athletes stopped and said it was just too much. And uh, I stopped there and I said, you know what? I held a lot of respect for that guy because there's a lot of athletes out there that will say they did something or they completed it or I, I did that race. And the fact they were just basically, you know, pacing and um, I know a few people that actually did that. <laughs> and, uh, but to say that kudos to that guy for, for admitting the truth and saying, you know, it was a tough day and it was, so yeah, 13 hours and 30 minutes. And, uh, it, it was, uh, a great day. Cause I got to the finish line and a lot of people didn't that day, unfortunately. What do you get when you cross the finish line? What, what does the Ironman give you? Uh, Ironman gives you, uh, you know, they get, of course you get your, you get your beautiful medal. 
uh, that everybody, you know, sometimes my boss would call us metal whores. <laughs> he would say that and say, you know, we're going just for the bling, man, because rock and roll series kind of promoted that a lot, you know, get the extra bling. And I have a bunch of those double down medals from Arizona and doing the, the double series and getting the bigger medals as you do more of the races. And I have those bling medals too. So I, I'm one of those guys. I love the medals. Uh, so the Iron Man gives you the medal. And then of course you get your normal stuff, you know, your, your, you know, you get all the kudos and all the, all the different uh, food and recovery fuels to get that. And uh, the next day they do a real good event for a real big event for like the ceremonial stuff. They don't do it the same day. Cause it's such a long, you know, day, it just, you have up to 18 hours. So they can't host an event after that. It's the next morning. So they give a real nice ceremony, give a lot of kudos to, you know, fastest athlete in each division and, and gender and, and age groups. And, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a real nice thing. And just kudos to all the athletes for getting across the finish line. And that was when he was holding the microphone up and saying, Hey, yesterday's event was like Kona like conditions. It was really hot and muggy and it was, uh, very windy on the bike. And for those of us triathletes know when you have a disc wheel on that bike, it's, uh, very hard to stay upright because you can get pushed over pretty fast. <laughs> and what, what kind of food do they have after is it the typical, like, bananas and bagels that you get at, at a marathon or do they give you like because uh, I've done t trail races and they give you like better quality food is it more quality yeah it's great it's they give you all the standard stuff but yeah you got a lot of their items there you got pizza I mean you got like a lot of heavier carb items because they know you're probably dying out there in the course and like I said a lot of different soups and it's just things that are like more sugary like cookies and uh, things are a little bit more open more, more like the You'll find that at the Benelli series, even in Benelli Park for triathlons, you find a lot of different things, like even peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and things that are already pre-set up. Um, love L.A., but even finishing the line this time, I wish they would have chocolate milk at every L.A. <laughs> It'd be nice to have a real nice, good protein uh, chocolate drink or some sort of uh, option there. Um, not too critical on it, but, uh, you know, in a perfect world, that's at least what I would like to have at the end of finish time. But you have all those things. You have chocolate milk. Uh, a lot of other uh, items versus like just a marathon race. And what do you, what do you do to maintain your energy for an Ironman? Same thing like goose uh, that, that you would use for a marathon or different types of. Yeah. Goose, goose is a, is definitely a go-to, um, you know, salt tablets, uh, you know, uh, different, different electrolyte drinks along the course that you, Take so no, no real food then. You're just kind of consuming goos and water and stuff like that. Uh, there's food, definitely food. Like I told you, they have the uh, on the run. They have like the soups. They have the the cookies and, and the licorices and you know the candies and uh, definitely bigger options and sodas. Uh, doing the Ironman that I did, the half Ironman up north in Sonoma near the Russian River, uh, that one as well. That was a tough race, uh, hot, very hot. Uh, it's called the Vineman race, and that Vineman race was uh, – it's Ironman sanctioned as well. Uh, there's a lot of Ironman distance races, but they're not sanctioned by Ironman, so you don't get that official Ironman logo at the end. So I would do a lot of Ironman sanctioned races, even though they weren't always the full races. Uh, but that half Ironman in Sonoma, same thing. I They had Coke on the course, and, man, that, that sugar hits your system, and it just felt so good. Wow. <clears throat> I can't swim and I don't have a bike, but one day Steven keeps telling me, get a bike. 
And that that's pretty much how it starts. He keeps just telling you to do it, and eventually you do it. It does. It's so true, man. I uh, had a fear of the water, but as you both, you, we both know the mentality. I'll go back to that between the ears. I'm telling you, man, that was my mindset. I pushed that out within a month and said, look, if I really want to do this, I'm going to have to start out somewhere on the swim because I'm not – I don't have any background in saying I'm a collegiate swimmer. Like a lot of the tri- triathletes I've known do have that. Uh, Steve, as you know, he's a fish in the water. He loves scuba. He loves everything water. I'd never had a matter of fact, I had a fear of the water. It wasn't even anything to do. I was always in fear of like drowning. And, you know, with a bike, you could stop, get off the bike. In a run, you can stop and stretch. Swimming, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, you, you can't do that or else you're going to go down. And uh, they have a lot more things today with the wetsuits that are more buoyant. They have more life-saving devices that you can use. Some are Ironman sanctioned, some are not. So if you need to pull that, it's like a little life life floating device. Uh, but yeah, the, the 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 swim is definitely has been a barrier to most people that I've talked to that were Ironman. That was probably the more consistent theme on why they didn't want to initially do it was a swim, you know. And once I beat that challenge up and did all my training. It's like anything. The more you overtrain for it, when you come to the actual event, that should be the time when you're having the better time, you know. So, yeah, I've I've never done one, and I never really considered any of the obstacles. But talking to like Stephen, he told me when you're swimming and you're crowded, people will come in and hit your hand as you're trying to get your strokes in. So I was like, oh, yeah, pe- people will panic, and then that's how sometimes people drown. So that was that was pretty interesting to me because you don't really think about that or I didn't prior to him telling me that. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's 1500 athletes that start out on most Ironmans. And, uh, I knew my swimming ability. So even though I was confident going into the race, I, uh, I stayed in the middle, uh, uh, middle end of the pack and just watch your goggles and watch, you don't want to get kicked on the face too. I've seen people get bloody noses and uh, get kicked in the mouth. Uh, and it just throws you all off or you get kicked in the glasses and you lose your goggles and then you need those for like, look, it, it, you can be in a world of hurt because especially if you just started out and you're like in the beginning of that 2.4 mile swim. So that would be a big, big thing. But I, I'll go back to my LA marathon races by having so many since 02 leading up to my Ironman race in 08. I already, and I had already ran some others outside of the state that that portion of it using that marathon mindset, even though I had that a uh, 112 mile bike under my leg and in the, in the swim, it really, it really benefited me to be able to know that I could still push through it with that, with that experience prior to doing Ironman. So that's a benefit for you, man. <laughs> and then I, I know that a uh, faith is big, you know, a big part of your life. Uh, yes. The first time I ran LA marathon, uh, we, we went together, but everybody went their own way, but we, yes. we all pray, we all prayed before. I remember that kind of like as a standout memory um, Thank you. And and we have one of your favorite uh, Bible quotes going yep. through here. So uh, why don't you let us know why why you like that one? Well, you know, it it says it right there. I mean, it's going to that section right now. Run and not grow weary, you know, and walk, and you know, the Lord will be there for you. And uh, you know, it's Isaiah thirty forty one, and I actually had that tattooed in the back of my leg, uh, along with Jesus uh, on the cross and in the Passion, you know, and. Uh, it's, it's, it just goes hand in hand with the marathon running, you know, and in life, you know, the challenges we go through and Isaiah 30, 30, 41 talks about that, lifting you up with eagles and, you know, soaring and, you know, running and walking and not becoming weary. Like he's going to be your strength, no matter what part of life or part of the run you're in, 
Uh, that's why I base that on my faith. Any Anything I've ever traveled to for running, uh, I always take a couple of DVDs with me. Uh, Braveheart, you know, you can't beat that with, uh, you know, that, that speech he gives about, you know, you know, we're going to fight them to the end and, and, and not give up. And I take Passion of the Christ, you know, the Mel Gibson movie, uh, because nothing like seeing, you know, Jesus go through the, the torment, uh, whether you're a believer or not, uh, that that just kind of motivates me. Not kind of, it does motivate me. They kind of keep pushing through when there's pain to know the pain that he endured for us. So that's why I pray during every race and uh, been blessed. I talk about my wife, talk about my kids, talk about great moments, but uh, without him, I wouldn't be able to do any of this, whether it's Ironman, day-to-day life, uh, getting through those demons, that's been a huge thing. But that Bible quote, that's why I, as that Bible verse is why I tattooed that on my leg to remind me and also others that have been in front of me and behind me or vice versa. Because as you know, it kind of, you jog between people through these runs. And I've had many people over the years come to me and say, man, I've been following Jesus the whole way behind you, man. Or, hey, Isaiah 30, 41, man, I know that scripture, man, got to keep going. And and it says it right there as you're reading, you know, you're not going to be faint, not going to be weary. He's going to lift you up like eagles. And no matter what you do, he's going to be there. And so that's been a motivation for me since the beginning of anything I do uh, in, in my athlete, in my athletic life as well. <clears throat> that, uh, that's, uh, I don't know. To me, you don't really hear about athletes too much, except at the very end, they're always like, thank you for winning the Super Bowl or a championship. So, uh, it, it, and for some of them, it may have to do with endorsements, but, uh, uh, you've never been shy about that. And I, I know it's important to you and I, I wanted to, uh, get more information on why that one's important to you. So thank you for sharing that. And I, I also wanted to ask you, uh, have you ever crossed over to like ultra races, ultra, any, any ultra? Yeah, I, I have done a couple of those. Uh, one of them that stands out is the, uh, the bulldog run, uh, which was a trail run. I've done a, a lot of trail running. Uh, I mentioned my boss a few times here, Mike, uh, 83 years old, <laughs> amazing guy, uh, still running today. You know, it's, he can't teach an old dog new tricks. He started at 60, 64, 63 years old. And uh, so we can always start off in anything in our life whenever we're ready. Like I said, whatever's between the ears, we can make it happen. He did. Um, and he did a lot of trail running with me. And and that's kind of how I segued into uh, doing that ultra uh, that was a 30, I think a 31 mile race. So I guess they consider anything beyond, you know, 26.2 being the ultra runs. And uh, I've done that one a couple of times and that was a great, a great race, a very, very tough race in August because the temperatures are usually close to the hundred mark and there's really not a lot of coverage for shade. So, and it's got a lot of different, uh, you know, variations and in inclines and declines. So definitely taxing on the body. Uh, but yeah, I've done some ultra running there. I've also helped uh, Thomas on a few of the runs. Uh, he's done the AC 100. I was able to pace him for the last, uh, I think it was like 27 or 28 miles. And, uh, you know, just didn't get the medal or anything for it, but it was nice to be able to pace a buddy, kind of pay it forward for the things that he's helped me out with and uh, vice versa. So it was, it was great to kind of do those races for the ultra stuff. And I, I still love the trails today. I mean, nothing like going on the trail run. I'm, I'm a avid, avid outdoors type of guy and I love going camping with my family and that's uh, the trail running is, is amazing. It's awesome to do trail running. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to reach out to Thomas and 
work on getting him on here. Uh, when you ran into Thomas, because that that's a hundred mile race basically. That yes, uh, he must have been probably like on mile eighty or something like that, roughly. Yeah, he had five. It was like seventy. I think it was like seventy four, seventy three. And I had to check. Was he pretty beat up? Was he hallucinating? Around midnight, he was pretty beat up, man. Yeah, he, he was looking good, uh, but we he had a full staff there, a couple of nurses that are friends of his, um, a couple of uh, physical trainers. You may have known him. Noriel is one of the guys. Uh, he's definitely a, uh, a great athlete, actually a Kona Ironman finisher. And uh, they were all there in support, and I was there to pace them, and they have to weigh you in. And if you're a certain weight under, they could stop you, man. So it's very critical that you're hydrating and fueling properly or else if they weigh you, they can actually tell you, you know, you can't, you can't continue. So after all those miles just to be told, no, that would be insane. Uh, so yeah, he was actually, um, you can't really touch him. There's a lot of details that you can't mule for them. You can't mule their food. You can only pace them and you're not supposed to touch them or push them or anything. They get real critical on the, on, on the, on that portion of it. And he was actually hallucinating a little bit. Um, he was thinking he was seeing bears <laughs> on one portion of the race. He can tell you more about that on your show next time. But, uh, yeah, he was actually seeing some bears and uh, hearing some noises and stopping me. I'm like, Thomas, just keep moving forward, man. I got you. And uh, and it was kind of a little edgy because it was dark and we had headlamps on. And and uh, a couple of those single-track trails, they drop off pretty far. So uh, thank God we did our training there knowing what we were going to go through. And I was able to kind of pace him through that and – it was funny towards the end, like mile 26, like of a marathon. I was more taxed than he was, and he was finishing 100 miles. So kudos to him again. One thing about Thomas, uh, he's always been good, a good, strong finisher, you know, for any of his races. Yeah, that, that would be like the worst case scenario, running into a bear at mile 80. You're, you're just <laughs> tired. It's not like you have a chance at mile one, but still, mile 80, you're just dead. Uh, uh, it would be, man. But, uh, yeah, Thomas and Steve, and speaking of praying, just to – last little note on that is they always turned to me and asked me about, uh, make sure we say our prayer. So even when we left uh, the LA marathon, this just, you know, a week ago, uh, right away we prayed. And, uh, as you know, we lost a good friend, Brandon, uh, you know, uh, you know, and it was tough to, to lose him. And, uh, especially for Steve knowing him since he was like, like, I don't know, five years old or however old those guys were in St. Francis. I think you even knew him then too. Right. Uh, yeah. And so uh, losing him was very tough, uh, knowing all the good times we had. And we used to joke around and say, who liked Tupac? And we used to do all these, like, Wu-Tang and make all these funny comments because, you know, Brandon was a clown with us. And we were always clowning around together. And, uh, you know, we were paying him honor throughout the whole race, kind of making those statements in honor of Brandon. So we prayed before the race, prayed for Brandon, knowing that he was running with us. And knowing that Brandon actually ran a marathon with Mateo uh, years ago, they finished that one together. And Steve and I were even saying we're going to start wrestling on the course like Brandon and Mateo were doing uh, on the on the course of their LA marathon journey. But uh, praying ahead of time to give it up to something bigger than us, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or just a God, um, something above and beyond us, we wouldn't be doing that without this and uh, without that without that source. So. Yeah, it, it was a uh, prayer is a huge for me. And knowing the guys turned to me, that's a huge thing to me to know that that's ahead of anything else. They say, hey, go to Sean May. He's going to say the prayer now. 
And that means the world to me, man. If I can leave this life and someone recognizes me for marathons and Ironman, that's, that's awesome. But if they say, hey, that's the guy I like to pray, that, that, that's, that's the most important. Yeah, I'm, I miss it this year. But uh, it, was, it was great seeing just Thomas and Steven and you and Hung uh, yeah. during the LA Marathon this year. Uh, and uh, I, I, Steven mentioned to me that you guys were going to run it all together in honor of uh, Brandon, yep. uh, which – a uh, good friend of mine too. Grew up together. I've known him for years, and yep. I this year when when it, it got difficult, I thought about him and what he went through. Also, my cousin uh, who wanted to be there this year, uh, who runs it pretty much almost every year. He's in his sixties. Uh, he he basically got cancer and he passed away on Tuesday. Yeah, sorry, here so, that. rest in peace. Uh, yeah, I, I thought about him during the hard miles, and and the next one I will run dedicated to him. So. That's, that's that's a great way to do it, man. I, I think uh, getting into this whole marathon this year, knowing it was the twentieth, uh, even though it was about my personal accomplishments, uh, running together with the the three individuals you mentioned, Hung, Steve, Thomas. And then even seeing you there on mile one <laughs> uh, was was awesome. Uh, but knowing we had that commitment together, we all said like four or five months before the marathon was that we're doing this in honor of, of Brandon, you know, and because uh, he had passed in May, I believe it was May. Uh, and, uh, you know, doing that. Actually, it was, no, it was just a year. It was a year, right? Just passed a year ago, right? A year in November. Just like a year. Yeah. yeah a year. So we, we in May, we started to say we're going to do that. So I mixed that up. But in May, it's just been a year. We're going to do it in honor of him and honor of the uh, the great guy he was, you know, family man he was, and and just uh, always a guy that got you laughing and always always funny as hell, man. So, uh, so yeah, that, that was definitely great. And then for your cousin to do that in honor of him and, again, you know, doing that for him next year, uh, that's great. And uh, I think about those trying times, you know, when it gets tough. I think about Jesus. I talk about Braveheart. But personally, I think about my grandfather in Vietnam, you know, sorry, in Vietnam, in World War II. And the things he went through and uh, that he had suffered through and, and it pushes you through. So whatever it takes to get to that finish line, uh, whether it's, you know, God or, or, or someone passing in your life, uh, anything that can motivate you to get through those pain barriers, it's, 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 I, I, I recommend it. Yeah. And sometimes you may find that uh, it's like a good release, a good, uh, you just feel better after you're, you're done. It's like, wow. And uh, you may not be able to use it the next time because it's it's not the same type of emotion anymore. I know I've done it a few times with maybe that's why I've ran fifty five marathons so far. Yeah, exactly, man. I know I've like I told you uh, seeing your progress when you were posting. As much as I had kind of done a chunk of different things, seeing you do that was very inspirational to see your updates and what you were doing and. Uh, you know, I think everybody's accomplishments, whether it's something like Thomas has done from Badwater to the accomplishments you've done, having 50 plus or stuff. I've done a combination of both worlds of triathlon, uh, even for Hung, who's done a few of these. And even my good friend Yvette, I mean, she was out there supporting me. Uh, she's done three marathons and, you know, people see individuals and say, oh, that person could do a marathon. I hear a lot of friends say, oh, you got the body style to do that. It's not always about that. Like I go back to my ears, it's between the two ears, it's between your mentality and that's what it takes. And all the things that you have done have been motivating and others around us. And it's just a good energy to keep us, like I said, putting one foot in front of the other all the way to the line, baby. 
Yeah, I get told a lot. Of, oh, you've done a uh, fifty-five. You don't have to train. It's not hard for you anymore. I'm like, yeah, right. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> you have to. You have to keep it going. I tell everybody that same thing. They say, "Yeah, you can get a little complacent, but that's when the marathon kicks your butt." Is when you get a little complacent, don't put in the time. You always got to put the time and training in, and you got to do what works for you. You know, I've had a lot of coaching over the years myself, doing my own coaching and things like that, but. Uh, not involved like yourself, like that level of coaching. But, uh, I, you know, I always tell the athletes I, I talk to or, or, or give some training to that, look, this one thing may work for you. You know, use it and what feels comfortable, stay with that flow. You don't want to go too far left or too far right, but find that middle ground and, and you'll, you'll usually find success. And, uh, yeah, you, you got to respect the distance. I don't care if you're even doing a 5K. I've ran some pretty fast 5Ks. I've ran some sub-18 5Ks in my day and – and, uh, and those were tough, you know, and, and, and hitting those like five something pace uh, doing that, uh, it was one at the Staples center. I did, it was a, I even got a hockey puck that came with the LA Kings 5k. And I, I got like the top, one of the top finishers with the thing. And it was a little hockey puck I got. And, uh, those guys are out there thinking like, well, you don't have to train for that. I'm like, are you kidding me? If you want that quick, fast turnover, you better be out there and doing some quick intervals and things like that, or else you're going to be you're going to be dying. You know, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard miles, whether it's three miles or 26, you, you got to respect any distance, you know, that is so true. And, uh, we have Chris, uh, who is actually a creator here on fireside as well. And looks like he has a question. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hi, this is Chris Rosetti in San Francisco. Thank you for letting me in. This is a great conversation and uh, very inspiring. I'm, uh, extremely overweight and have limited mobility, but this is getting me uh, in the mood to, you know, never give up, keep moving, keep putting one foot forward and so forth. So thank you for this inspirational stuff. Uh, my question is this, and I'll go back to the audience and enjoy the free shrimp cocktail. My question is, is um, do you folks run with music? Do you have headphones with music? And if so, uh, what do you guys like to listen to? You want to go first, Ray? Uh, thank you for that, Chris. Uh, and I, I, I took pride in a, getting the shrimp cocktails myself uh they they, they weren't cheap but but nothing nothing uh nothing <laughs> no, nothing's too cheap for my audience so thank you for everybody being here <laughs> me personally uh i do run with music but it, it'll be different if i run in the trails uh, no music at all i want to connect with nature i want to hear the the wind blowing the birds chirping if there's water even even better uh if i run like in the marathon, depending, LA Marathon, there, there's so many people cheering you all along the way in music. You really don't have to. But if I do do it, it's at the end when I'm already, like, just need a little extra burst. In the street, you got to be really careful because people just don't care about pedestrians at all. Uh, if you can find a nice bike trail where you don't have to worry about too many cars, then I would say it's okay. But it's just really more about being careful uh, with that. Sean, what about you? A good points, Ray. Uh, I have to agree with you on there with, with some of those points. And uh, yeah, there's a couple of areas that I have mapped out around my home where I know it's safe to run with the headphones. And I, I love music. Uh, there's actually studies out there in Runner's World magazine. And if you go to runnersworld.com, you can find things on there about beats per minute. And it actually helps you push, you know, a little quicker turnover. Um, 
but whatever inspires you, I've heard people listen to Diana Ross and that, that, that helps them and nothing against her. I love her. Uh, but I wouldn't listen to that. So, uh, I love heavy metal. I'll listen to that. I'm a hip hop guy, tried and true, but yes, listen to music, whatever gets you going. I highly recommend it during the LA marathon. This speaking of the running with the buddies, I, we opted to not wear anything because we wanted to experience it together and just have that camaraderie. Uh, but yeah, I would say about 70% of the events I've done, I've, I've ran with music and just got to find the right ones that don't get in your way. Wireless are great, but again, if you don't have a good connectivity, they, that can be sour. So find the right thing that connects well. You may want to go old school with the plug just so you have that connectivity. There's nothing like running a race and it's not connecting and you got to carry those things across the entire journey and I have no music playing in them and it's a nightmare. And then I lost a pair of Bose sound deadening uh, headsets uh, two marathons ago, which are very expensive because at the end you're so tired and not paying attention. I wrapped them up, put them in my hat, walked away and didn't realize and they were gone. They, they magically grew. So that's one thing you want to keep in mind. I currently have Beats by Dre now. They work really well. They're wireless. I ran them in last year's marathon, not this marathon, and they worked all the way to the end. They were great. And the great thing about Beats by Dre is they're not sound editing. So I recommend the non-sound editing for running because you can still hear beyond that. You can still hear things coming through from people's voices, uh, animals or whatever. So, yeah, but definitely to answer your question, I love running with music and I, I recommend it. But be careful. And, yeah, actually, I, I, I didn't answer what type of music. Type of music, I listened to a little bit of everything. I was looking for their business card. I actually met them at the LA Marathon Expo. And I want to do a show about that, about running with a 170 beats per minute. They say yep. you run faster. But there, there's different types of 170 beats per minute music. There's slow pace and even fast pace. So these guys came up with an app, and it was free, and it adjusts, and it, it uh, it was all for running. And uh, I, when I run, I'm very minimal. Uh, I like I like to run with this because it's very tiny, and I know yep. it's going to last for hours. But the only bad thing about this is uh, you there's no like Bluetooth option for it. Maybe there's a splitter now, but um, that's usually what I use. And then music, I listen to everything from like uh, hip hop to metal to Spanish music to I listen to a lot of a. Uh, and make a lot of like a YouTube clips where the like Les Brown and Eric Thomas speaking and uh, Ray Lewis. And it's, uh, I hardly ever do books when I'm running. Uh, I, a lot of people do that, but I've, I've never done books. It's just, uh, and I like a mixes, a good mix of uh, like DJ style club music as well. It kind of keeps me going. But then I also like, uh, like some Frank Sinatra because sometimes mm -hmm. you, you need to kind of like pace at a slow pace and you don't want to get too crazy. You want to save that music for the end. <laughs> like, well, I'm, gonna, going, I'm going at uh, 14 minute pace right now. What's going on? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> damn, I just beat the police um, uh, brigade or right there, or motorcycle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a little bit of everything. And uh, just, uh, you know, thank you so much for being here. Before we finish off, I just want to know what, what do you have for uh, next year planned? What? LA Marathon? Again? Yeah, you know, and. Uh, yeah, LA Marathon, have that lined up for sure. Uh, March, back to the standard, uh, you know, month it's in. And uh, because of that, you know, kind of getting inspired to to Boston qualify again. Uh, not there just yet. 
takes a lot of a lot of you know pace and dedication and I may consider doing the Ohio Mountains at the beach run again. Uh, that's where I qualified twice for Boston at 308 both times actually within a few seconds of each other and uh, would love to just do that one again. Uh, maybe even take on some more hats my wife this year. She's talked about doing a couple 10Ks. So uh, we'd love to push my girls, you know, keep them keep them seeing what dad's doing, what dad loves. So, yeah, I think this year going to present a couple more of those, like, 5K turkey trots and, you know, mustache dash runs and those type of things. So, yeah, the, from, a, from from that standpoint, definitely the LA Marathon has kind of pushed that inspiration back up like it always does every year. And that's good because you know there's different types of uh like goals you could just want to continue the streak or you know I, I like me personally I like to keep always pushing it so I like the fact that you still want to you know do you want to try and PR when you uh yes, yes I want to I, I don't want to PR for LA I told uh I want to do a sub four in LA this year I want to get back into that sub four range uh whether it's 359 or 330 that would be great I don't expect a 330 but I would love to sub for, uh, you know, this next year's race. This year's race was about camaraderie and going with the friends all the way to the finish line. But Thomas, being the faster runner, uh, I want to link up with him again, do some more serious training, uh, get back into that sub four mentality. And uh, like I said, whether it's just breaking it by 359, I'm all for it. That's fine. And then see how that feels and then go from there. But I've always had an inspiration to get back qualifying for Boston because both times I qualified at the bombing and they had the 100 year anniversary so it, it, they pushed me back both times so I was unable to run it I don't like to make excuses I'm all for those people that were able to go back and do the race but uh, definitely have an inspiration to qualify and participate because I've been to the finish line I've been to Massachusetts a few times uh, with my wife and uh, was able to go right to that finish line in front of the library they keep it. They keep it painted there every year. It stays there until they refresh the paint. So I have inspiration as an avid runner, as one of the top running events in the world, being Boston. Uh, across that finish line one of these days, and they don't keep lowering the pace, so it's gonna still be around that sub three ten pace. So it's gonna have to be uh, that. Maybe in five years, I'll get the extra five minutes. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with, with that bombing team, uh, more people wanting to do the yes. event. So yes, made it more competitive. Yep. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I know you can do it, and I look forward to you yes, doing it. And, and then you can either come before you go to Boston or hey, after <laughs> and let us know your experience on, on what it took to qualify for Boston. Will do, so, Ray. I'll be back for sure, man. Thank you so much for being on here, Sean. I, I enjoyed it, and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you before LA Marathon again. And uh, thank you so much for coming on, everyone listening in here and around. Until next week, this has been Coach Ray Z with Athletic Definition. My pleasure. Take care, guys.